0: Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor in chief of the
1: Mill Creek View newspaper. An interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, return special guest and friend of the show, Steve Friend. But first, for more information about the Mill Creek View podcast, visit us anywhere you get your podcasts and socials at Mill Creek View. While you're there, please subscribe. It's totally free to you. And watch us live Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday on TECN.TV. Hi, y'all. Welcome to our People in News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with Steve Friend on the Steve, Steve, and Steve show. I love it when that happens. We just did that last week, too. Popular name in the 70s, I guess. Steve Friend is a fellow of domestic intelligence uh, – is a fellow – on domestic intelligence and security services at Center for Renewing America. Is an opinion writer, author, and former state and federal law enforcement officer with more than a decade of experience. He worked as a patrolman and narcotics agent in Savannah, Georgia before joining the Federal Bureau of Investigation in 2014. Steven investigated violent crimes and major offenses occurring on Indian reservations in Northeast Nebraska for seven years and was also a member of the FBI Omaha SWAT team. He transferred to Daytona Beach, Florida, to investigate child exploitation and human trafficking before being reassigned to investigate domestic terrorism. Steve became an FBI whistleblower in 2022 after making protected disclosures to Congress about the FBI's questionable and manipulative investigations of January 6th protesters. Steve is the author of True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to FBI Whistleblower. Pick up two copies, one for yourself and mail one to Director Ray. He is a 2007 graduate of the University of Notre Dame. Sorry about that, <clears throat> but they killed my Trojans this year. And holds a Bachelor of Science in Accounting. Steve is a married father of two sons. Steve, thanks for coming back. How are you today? I'm doing well, thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back and congratulations on landing with Center for Renewing America. Uh, President Russ Vought uh, seems like a good dude, uh, called by The Economist, The President's Toolkit when he was Trump director of OMB. A good guy to work for?
2: He's been really great to me. Uh, And I've heard him sort of described as the Yoda of the American first movement, where he's been sort of behind the scenes as the the wizard behind the curtain on a lot of policy that's been pushed forward. Uh, But Russ is great for me. He's basically given me a great outlet to share my information about FBI weaponization and uh, has given me the ability to access some people in a position to hopefully bring about some
1: reform. Great. Right. Last time you were here, the FBI didn't want you to be able to earn a living, so uh, you overcame that, obviously.
2: Yeah, it required me to actually resign from the FBI in order to do it, but you know, it, it all ended well. I think that there was no chance that the FBI was ever going to bring me back and welcome me into the fold as it's presently constituted. And I think that I can still stay in the fight to bring about real meaningful change from my current post uh, where I'm at right now.
1: All right. And and I see your co-fellow there, Kash Patel, Senior Fellow for National Security and Intelligence, similar title to you, uh, served as Chief of Staff at the Department of Defense to Trump. Have you met him? Had an opportunity to work with him on anything? I've my, I met him
2: actually for the first time a few weeks ago. But the, the story and, and this this is actually what came out when I testified in front of Congress. I was alleged to be bought and paid for by Kash Patel. Um, And uh, up until a few weeks ago, I'd never met him. He called me last fall and uh, out of the blue and got my phone number through some mutual connections and said that the Center for Renewing America had a fellowship available and offered to put my name into the queue for an application. So he facilitated that. I applied. I did writing samples, interviewed, and the whole process and was eventually selected for it. But apparently the Democrats on the weaponization select committee found that to be bought and paid for but cash was really great to me for that uh he he's never asked for any credit or any attention on that it's ultimately you know scoring a touchdown and, and not spiking the football just handing the ball to the referee and he's got my my major respect and appreciation and and yes I actually got a chance to meet him in Mar-a-Lago for the Dinesh D'Souza film premiere which I had a part in doing some technical advising on and he was there and uh, gave me a small guided tour of a little slice of Mar-a-Lago
1: which was pretty neat I was gonna to jump to that uh later, but might as well bring it up now. So you uh hit the big time. Uh you 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 are now a, a movie star. Uh you were uh, police state with Dan Bongino, uh made by Dinesh Souza I got a surprise for my viewers about him coming soon. Um I I know it's not a happy Hollywood feel-good story to talk about, but how, how was being in that for you? How how'd you how'd you like that?
2: It was it was really surreal. Uh, Dinesh, again, this this sort of world that I have where I, I have one foot firmly planted in just being a regular person and then one toe maybe straddling into this sphere of influencers and thought leaders. Dinesh was able to get in contact with me, said that he was putting together this film and it was gonna circle around police. Uh, the book was called Police State. It was gonna be about this growing, abuse of federal government and asked for me and for kyle seraphim who i believe you also had on as a guest to become technical advisors on the film and he was really just wanting the film to look as authentic as he possibly could he didn't want to have the goofy hollywood guys running up and they they had a hodgepodge uniform and their finger on the trigger of the gun just things that did not look real and he reached out to us and we served as technical advisors and then a portion of the film actually was supposed to be a bit of a reenactment of my experience, a dramatization. And when I showed up to the set that day, I was sort of curious who was gonna play me in the scene. I want to see what the actor was gonna be. And they said, Steve, you're the actor, get into wardrobe. So I actually got a chance to be on a movie set uh, and acting across from a desk from Nick Searcy, who was also a fantastic guy. It was The entire thing is, you, know, you only go around once in life um, I, and not a lot of people get to say, in one calendar year, they got to go to Congress write a book and uh star in a movie so i guess uh, i knocked all those off in in 2023 i know it's been a rotten year for a lot of folks but mine's been sort of uh sort of one for the mem- from the memory books
1: yeah it's all downhill from here unfortunately but yeah that's great <laughs> well um, i'm about to be 40 so it's always downhill <laughs> that's right we've had andrea gomez on here too she's the tennessee director for cra uh, great yep. great group you've teamed up with so good for you a lot of patriots uh much nicer than the fbi under ray for sure, which unfortunately we will have to talk about because you are forever linked into that story of of, uh, of the post-Comey, actually even during Comey, uh, FBI that we're living with to this day. All right, um, I wanna ask you this. A guy named Trent Leisy, L-E-I-S-Y, is running for Colorado's fourth congressional district. He's retired Navy. Have you heard that name? No, I'm not familiar. All right, well, he's got a picture of himself and Trump in his Twitter logo. He wrote, I was once willing to give my life for this country. That's why I served in the Navy. Now I'm running for Congress to protect the people of D4 from what this country has become. Okay, so Colorado D4 is Ken Buck, who's not running. He refused to vote for Jordan because he voted to overturn Biden's uh, rigged election uh, per MSN.com. Ken Buck has gained national prominence as a Republican congressman, fed up with Donald Trump's lies, about the 2020 election he lost to Democrat Joe Biden. Buck is also critical of the Trump allies, that would be you, who have proliferated the house with a fervor fed by their social media clout. So there are others. It's early, you know, state rep Richard Holtorf, a Republican. Buck was one of eight Republicans who voted to oust former speaker of the house Kevin McCarthy earlier this month. But are we seeing a rise of pro-Trump people, candidates, citizen like lisi who don't want to do this veterans or more rhinos like buck and i ask you because the last time you were supposed to come on here you couldn't because you were actually about to testify in front of congress exactly these people so you know better than most do i am i right there's a rise of people that are anti-government trumpers or are we going to see more bucks that's a great question and there's a lot to unpack there
2: uh First, let me say this. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you're aware, but Ken Buck. There's a little bit of backstory in him. Sort of, he was. He's a House Freedom Caucus guy, but he's now become sort of uh, anti, mostly the Republican talking points in general, even the the rhinos, if you will. And it, it came out in the New York Post uh, about a month or so ago. He's petitioning to get a CNN constituency. And he's doing that because his attempt to get favor with the Biden administration to become um, appointed to the Federal Trade Commission fell through. Mm. So he's got uh, a little bit of compromise, a little bit of derog on, on on Mr. Buck there. Uh, as far as myself, you know, I'm I am uh, I'm still libertarian. So as far as being a, a Trump uh, surrogate, that's, that's not my jam. But I, I do think your question is is interesting, just for the electorate at, at large. And the reason is I think there's a lot of people that see that uh, that President Trump obviously won a presidential election having never run as a politician before and that was successful. And then there's always the the temptation to become the knockoff, to imitate it, best practices, right, obviously. And I think a lot of people fail in that regard because whether you like, like him or hate him, uh, you cannot deny that Donald Trump just drips charisma and his sort of – approach to doing things is good for him. That's what worked for him. I don't think that that necessarily then translates to a regular guy who just says, I'm going to do a a Trump imitation to, to win elections. Mm -hmm. I do think though, that he sort of charted a path for somebody who's never been in politics before maybe has a appeal of just being like one of the folks type of in their rhetoric, as opposed to being the Ivy league, or I went to Stanford or uh, Harvard or Yale uh, the, to many of these people, especially in the senatorial ranks or the people that ascend to high high office or, or judgeships, uh, I think that that sort of laid a, a roadmap, at least made it feasible for people. Um, and in the way that Donald Trump is, which is so amazing, is as a billionaire who's been living the high life basically his entire adult life, uh, he still has an everyman appeal. and And as a result of that, I think people see that path as possible, but it's a tough uphill slog because that establishment republicans establishment democrats it's basically a uniparty uh they they hold a lot of power and they're able to especially in the in the primary processes to to knock off anyone who threatens their little fiefdoms
1: he certainly doesn't compare to a lawyer or somebody who's been in politics their entire life like a chuck schumer who is quite the foil of a trump businessman playboy successful billionaire whatever at least made his money legitimately not through uh politics um another one People may remember QAnon shaman Jacob Chansley. He did the horns and painted uh, up in the flag face paint. Did time, uh, is running as a libertarian in Arizona, of all places, where the most recent steal was. Do you think we'll see more aggrieved vets and J6ers wrongly prosecuted like you get into politics to fix things?
2: I think that's a great way to go about it. Um, I I think it might be going a little too further along. I'm a firm believer in local and the doctrine of the lesser magistrate i would rather see a jacob chansley running for a board of commissioners for his county same thing with uh, a mark hauck uh, who's going to be running in pennsylvania's first he's running actually against an incumbent republican former fbi agent so he's going to have a really good uh really good battle if, if, if they do get out on a uh on a debate stage in a primary process i would never tell anyone not to run for federal office i think though that you have the best impact at a local level but if you have the acclaim, and that's that was sort of was told to me by someone, uh, I won't out them now, uh, when my name came to the public light a year ago, uh, someone called me and said, you know, it's a real shame that this didn't happen to you a year ago or a year from now because you probably would have been put to run for Congress because you have name recognition, and that's all that matters really for significant portions of the voting population, which doesn't say much for the American voting population. But if those guys are going in with the best of intentions, uh, they've seen and been fighting in the belly of the beast for a long time. Um, Certainly their, their lives, they put their lives on the line, Uh, you know, their, their, their freedom on the line. Mark Hawk fought it all the way to the little acquittal. Jacob Chansley actually did time on it. Um, I I think that their opinions mean something and they, they should be heard. And if, if they can influence and, and make the country better, and then why not take a shot at it and see see if you can maybe chip away at the system that uh, that they've built up in the swamp in Washington, D.C.
1: Yeah, I think that's good. Um, and I'm always optimistic that things will get better. Uh, you were on almost exactly a year ago. Um, at that time, you weren't uh hashtag suspendable yet. Uh, you were scheduled to come on again, like I said, but had a more important thing to do, like testify in front of Congress. Darn it. Um, you kindly did come back with the release of your book, True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. And now you are a fellow at Center for Renewing America. Uh, That is a busy year. Tell us how the book sales went. Um, Hope I helped a little bit. What came of your testimony in Congress that was good? and, And what Center for Renewing America is doing with you, please? well the
2: book it it launched in june and uh the the way the publishing i'm sort of learning on the fly i don't have facts and figures it's hit number one a couple times in a few categories on amazon so that that makes me think that it it did its thing Uh, i didn't take any advances on it so i haven't made any money on it uh but i've gone to several events that i do i do some speaking engagements now and i bring the book along with me and i'm just trying to get it out there to as many people as i can and, and regardless, if I don't make a single penny on it, uh, that's fine with me. I'm happy with the product. And uh, people have reached out to me and said that it really opened their eyes to a lot that's gone on. And, and sort of in that similar vein, testifying in front of Congress, you know, I, I think that it was a missed opportunity. Uh, and not, not for personal self-serving reasons, but because I went there, Garrett O'Boyle was there. Uh, and then in the later uh, testimonies by the IRS whistleblowers, we're all experienced with testimony. We've gone to court and had cross examination from a hostile defense attorney, and we're, that sort of environment is, I think, less intimidating than the, than the average person. Uh, and and we didn't really get a chance to talk because it's politics, man. The uh, the, the various members get up there and they have five minutes and they want to preen for the cameras, get a sound bite for the fundraisers, hopefully get on Fox News or MSNBC or whatever their their party's preference is that night. And as a result of that, the witnesses really don't get a chance to present the information. And again, regardless of where you fall on this, this is information that belongs to all 350 million Americans that I wanted to get out there. Uh, and, And I didn't get a chance to present too much of it, which is why I keep doing speaking engagements as often as I can to talk about things like an FBI quota system that exists. The mission creep that we're seeing happen from the national security branch, the evolution from domestic law enforcement to domestic intelligence collection, the broken promotion protocols, the absolutely out of line informant protocols that are going on. It's it's just one thing after another after another. And I was ready, man. I was loaded for bear. The IRS guys had laptops so that they and I know they were ready. Um, and I, I think that this weaponization committee. might view having the hearing as the success rather than the means to bring about the reform, which I would categorize as success. And and lastly, to the Center for Renewing America, they're giving me the outlet to do just that right now. Uh, I have invitations to appear on media outlets like such as yourself. Um, They have access and they have a, a much thicker Rolodex Again, I'm an average guy. I can't just call up some of these people and and have them take me seriously. But if Center for Winning America has a media team, reaches out and says, hey, Steve Friend, he's this guy. He's not some crazy person. Would you like to have him come on and talk to you about it? And I've been able to then share information with some people in media who might not have gotten to their ears, and they have the audience that they're able to then bring to the table, and I can share my information, which I'm very incredibly grateful for.
1: Was it one of those type of hearings where you're sitting there and and the CNN or the C-SPAN camera is on you, but the rest of the place is completely empty, or were there people that were there showing interest, and did you actually get questions from both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, really wanting to know what had happened, how to fix it, any of your ideas? I'm sure I know you a little bit. You probably came very... Uh, detail-oriented with maybe even a PowerPoint presentation? Did anybody take it off your hand and say, yes, we will get back to you on this? And did they?
2: Uh, you, you know, the, the Democrats came in with, on the attack, uh, that, and that was to be expected. They told us to really anticipate that, you know, accused of being a grifter and a political partisan and a conspiracy theorist. Um, a couple members thought that some, the Marcus Allen, who was also testifying with me, they said that his Twitter account said something, and it wasn't his Twitter account, so they weren't really well prepared for that. Um, you know, again, being a Paid, bought and paid for by Cash Patel, that those sort of allegations. But that's water off a duck's back. It, it didn't bother me. Uh, again, I was there for the American population to see me. There were a few members on the uh, Republican side who asked some some good questions. You have the time constraint of the five minutes, so you want to get the answer in. I, Thomas Massey, beforehand, I mentioned the quota system, so we had one question about that. Matt Gates, who actually came to my deposition, along with Dan Bishop, those are the two guys who were actually there. And uh, Matt was excellent. He asked me questions about doing surveillance at school board meetings, which I did, and able to get that out, even though it was a a very small snippet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then then some of them monologued, and and I thought had some, some good things to say themselves. But again, that should be about the witnesses testifying. I, I compare it to a Broadway show. The depositions are the rehearsals. There's no new information that's going to be bombshell to the congressional representatives. It should be bombshell to the people who are watching. And now we have this Broadway show, which is the hearing. Let's let the actors go up on stage and say their, their parts. We don't need to have the directors or the people working on the ropes behind the scenes uh, coming up and, and interrupting them. And and that's unfortunately what happens. And, and you're right. A lot of the times they're either leaving the room or they're playing on their Twitter they're talking to a staffer and you're just sitting there under the gun, looking around like this, this can't really be the way that our government functions. But unfortunately
1: it is. It is. Yeah. And you're at least in the history books telling the right side of history for somebody who wants to go archive into the library of Congress and figure it out. Well, for new listeners, episode 17, episode 93, for those that want to go back and hear Steve, uh, we knew him when... Uh, Wow. 17, Steve. Wow. The other Steve. Okay. uh, And now 147. So thanks for being a friend of the show. No pun intended. Um, Is this accurate? On Facebook, your wife, and I don't want to drag family into it, but she's part of the story, had responded by saying she was grateful that the person had reached out and said that the best way they could help you was to share the story of what happened to you since she got suspended uh, for just saying that. Within 30 minutes, her Facebook account was suspended. She identified herself in the private message as Steve's wife, and that's all.
2: Yes, yes, it's true. It was after I wasn't speaking publicly. My name came out, um, Miranda Devine's piece, and then she, she talked about me to Tucker Carlson on Fox News, and our world kind of got turned upside down. A woman from Moms for Liberty reached out, and my wife sent her a private message on Facebook that said, I'm Steve's wife can you just ask your members to share his his message because he's not uh, an online presence he's not speaking out publicly and the moms for liberty reached out because i'd spoken out at a school board meeting just as a regular citizen so they they sort of knew that i was a friendly to them and within 30 minutes her, her account was shut down and and look that's a private message and we were assured by mark zuckerberg that those were protected uh, but obviously they're not and i'll also note that my wife is not american she's from ukraine so her name was actually in cyrillic you would not know her name mm. unless you spoke russian and she never posted anything publicly she only used facebook as a private message service and the uh, you know, picture viewing for family that sort of thing so she was not like a a memer or anything like that uh, so i can only surmise that her her cat was being watched because you have to identify yourself to have your facebook account Right. And so yeah, you were, your family
1: down. was sur- surveilled right at the time that you were making headlines, I guess, or news for being you and all the things we know about you. And they did that to her. So this obviously plays right into what we've learned from the Twitter files, where so many federal agents, their job description was to work for big tech in the censorship industrial complex, which we're going to talk about later. But is that about right? You were one of the very early um, uh soldiers in the battle in the trenches of, of big tech and fbi spying on their own to hurt them and silence them
2: yes yes and we're actually uh, a couple of the paragraphs in the missouri v biden uh, lawsuit mm. involved my wife's account we were able to get her story to them about that harmeet Dillon's law firm uh, was able to facilitate that and we're grateful for that and i think that's going in the right direction at least Mm-hmm. seems to be in, on on the side of free speech, at least the way that uh, the majority of the, the rulings
1: have gone. Yeah, the Supreme Court is is our last bastion for just about everything. All right. So fast forward to today. I could spend hours with you and I don't have that, unfortunately. Um, FBI officials singled out agents who were former military for anti-Trump retaliation. So first we went from whistleblowers to now employees who just happen to be veterans. The whistleblower said Jeffrey Veltree, Deputy Assistant Director of the Bureau's Security Division, and Dina Perkins, Assistant Sec- Section Chief, specifically pursued employees who served in the Marine Corps or other military branches. They stripped the agents of security clearances, which sidelined them on the job and pushed them toward the exit. You would think that those folks were doing something a little bit more important, uh, like... Betting some of these illegal immigrants, or looking for terrorism, or whatever, whatever, preventing the shooting that we had here in Nashville. A Marine and other military veterans at the FBI have been accused of disloyalty to the US because they fit the profile, oh, profiling now, of a supporter of former President Donald Trump, according to two disclosures sent to lawmakers on the House Judiciary Committee. Quote, it is wholly irresponsible of The Washington Times and this reporter to include outrageous and demonstrably false allegations that the FBI singled out former military employees. Do you think, A, that the FBI is telling the truth when they say false allegations, knowing all that we know about them? And B, who are these two people, Vetri and and, uh, Perkins? How dare they, right? I mean, these are veterans of the United States. They're supposed to go through background checks before being hired
2: exactly yeah and there's a lot to unpack there look veltri and and perkins they work for the security division he uh, veltri was a deputy assistant director i believe that perkins was a assistant section chief so they were at least uh, up in management Uh, he was certainly higher than she was security division is under the human resources branch of the fbi they look into your ability to hold a security clearance are you a threat to national security are you loyal to the united states and it's very clear from the whistleblowers I've talked to, and I uh, know some of the people who were targeted under this profile and were removed as a result of that. This is 100 percent true. The disclosures that have come forward do exist. They are legitimate and they are in the hands of Congress right now. And, and just the thought that someone who raised their hands swore an oath to protect the country and lay down their life, if necessary, could be uh, deemed to be disloyal to the United States because they work for the FBI and the FBI thinks that you might pull the lever for a particular candidate for a president is is ridiculous. And, and the FBI statement on this, which is is just laughable, it, they tried to invoke Veterans Day. You know, how dare you come out with a story on Veterans Day? Well, look, even if everything is is that the FBI is saying is true, the fact that it's newsworthy is it needs to be reported. There is a disclosure Two whistleblowers have come forward and it went to Congress, and they're alleging this information. That's a newsworthy story that needs to be reported. So the FBI trying to stomp down on that, they're just worried about their exposure on this. Uh, But included also in this this disclosure is not just military. If you uh, participated in religious activities on a regular basis, if you're unvaccinated against coronavirus, or if you didn't want to wear a mask, those were deemed to be fit the profile of someone who supported Donald Trump for president, ergo potentially disloyal to the United States. Ergo, we should suspend their security clearance so that we can remove them. It's another example of the FBI weaponizing the security clearance process as the hack and the get around to eliminate people as they're building this new agency of people who are compliant, willing to just follow orders, or those like Perkins, uh, who will gleefully do what they want because of their political persuasions.
1: Sounds like a religious discrimination lawsuit waiting to happen and probably a pretty big class, because I think a lot of people who are ex-military decided to go into law enforcement and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So that's a lot of people that they're pissing off. Let's put it that way. Um, Our friend of the show, also Kyle Serafin, as you mentioned, he's been on here twice. Also, he said the FBI promotes people who hate those who served. That's pretty strong. Comey was bad enough to get fired. Uh, Ray seems to be worse. How does this ha- happen under the Trump administration? And obviously I can understand it carrying forward into the Biden administration. He didn't fire Ray or do anything like that, like Trump was forced to do after the last president. But how how could this all happen under Trump?
2: Well, I think the Christopher Ray nomination for FBI director was from Chris Christie's recommendation. And I think that you have some questions about maybe some recommendations that that Donald Trump got from people around him. There was those one of the knocks on him as president was he surrounded himself with people who might not be the best people. Uh, and and obviously he's still standing by Christopher Ray appointment, saying that you know it, it needs to be it, the, the jury's still out on him. Uh, the way I think that this happened is it's not just because of Donald Trump. I think that he his presence in the White House turned up the temperature on the pot that was already at a boil but now it's boiling over because he was such a a dynamic person and, and got people so on either side so fired up uh, but this has been a long time in coming this is an FBI I would say historically has has always been going after the people that the those in power wanted them to but certainly this millennium this century since September 11th the mask has been pulled off and is now being ripped off very quickly uh, in in the era of Trump and Biden when we've had this national security apparatus that's evolved into looking for homegrown violent extremists who were Muslim Americans, and then they became domestic violent extremists who were people that had a Betsy Ross flag, Great. and now it's the agave, the anti-government, anti-authority violent extremists, and those are people who have just a perception of government overreach or negligence perhaps illegitimacy like from an election if you have that perception at all if you question whether or not the government is negligent you could be deemed to be an agave and the crosshairs of the fbi get put on you and the fbi knows all the levers they need to pull to eliminate you from the from from the equation and and here's the last thing i'll say on this if the fbi is willing to do this to its own people who you would think that they vetted and, and deemed to bring in and they pay them they they're doing this to their own employees. What are they willing to do with people outside of the agency? Far worse.
1: Yeah, that's what leads me to my next question, as a matter of fact. And I was just reading about an infant child who was put on the uh, do not fly list uh, because it was a family member of a J6 j6er. so. You know, we know about the folks that stirred up the crowd in J6. They were agents uh, and and Proud Boy leader Ethan Nordine lashed out at President Donald Trump, accusing him of misleading his supporters and then deserting them despite their unwavering loyalty. He said, we are, and I'm sure he was very angry at the time, but we are now and always have been on our own. So glad he was able to pardon a bunch of degenerates as his last move and uh, S us uh, on the way out. Nordine said in an expletive related message about the former president, F you, Trump, you left us on the battlefield bloody and alone. Not really fair. That was the day that the election was certified. And I don't think he could pardon them, but what do you think about the J6 situation, the federal government, the fact that we do have a Republican majority Congress, even though it's a slim majority, they're still there. We haven't seen the tapes. The whole day is just a, a complete blight on America and law enforcement as well as as people who probably shouldn't have been breaking windows. But we don't know who they are. What do you think of that day?
2: You know, there's been a lot of analysis and, and it becomes very political uh, and sort of this rorschach test for what you think happened in the day is where your your politics sort of typically fall on it uh which is unfortunate I'm a, I'm a facts guy here's what i could give you as an educated explanation of what happened that day you had people who did dumb things and bad things and probably broke the law and need to be prosecuted for that you also had professional provocateurs who were there you had undercovers and informants who were pushing the crowd to do things that they were not predisposed to do You had groups that came to uh, to support Donald Trump, uh, but had seen what happened to the country the prior year during 2020, which is why they showed up with their body armor and they were prepared to get into a fight that day with Antifa because they knew Antifa and BLM would be there. And they they showed up. Look, you shouldn't show up to an event planning to get into a brawl. But I, I at least can understand the frustration of look, these guys need need to get the beating their daddy never gave them and go back to eating their avocado toast after the, they, what they did to this country. So I think that there was that sort of like macho, machismo that was going into those groups. And then the largest group that uh, I'd like to describe is the Miracle on 34th Street crowd. And the scene from Miracle on 34th Street where they walk into the court with all the letters to Santa Claus. And I think that a lot of people went there and they thought, you know, They were excited about Donald Trump. They they had legitimate questions about the election. And they said, we have a First Amendment right to speech, to protest, to petition our government, to assemble, or to redress our grievances. And we're going to walk through the Capitol, and the congressmen and the senators are going to see this and say, whoa, there's a million people. We're going to pause the certification. We're going to do a proper audit. And call it naive. Call it whatever you want. They weren't as cynical as maybe someone like you or me. Um, They are now caught up in a dragnet the hundreds and thousands as a result of that, because this case is so politicized. And, and it's, and as a result of that, I think the Republicans in office think that January 6th, they don't want to touch it. They think it's an electoral loser for them. And I'm sorry, we don't elect you to get reelected. We elect you to do your job. This should be something that should be vetted out and, and and we should be able to crowdsource this information. I know some of the journalists that got access to the security tapes. The problem, as they've explained to me, is that unless you know the specific time where it is what you're looking for you're just looking at hours and hours of tape it's it's sort of a fool's errand but that being said having three computer screens going for three individual people to be looking through 41,000 hours i mean you're going to be limited in what you can be able to do I, I could definitely see an argument for why don't we just crowdsource this and people can come up with what they want certainly the sedition hunters have been given access to information from the government uh, to to hunt down people when they're not government actors. And and that certainly violates everything I was ever taught of as a a professional law enforcement officer or an investigator where if a person as a private citizen conducted an investigation and brought it to me, I would have to say that's vigilantism. I can't take that. But apparently this case is so unique and so special. It's the worst thing since September 11th and the Civil War. uh, You know, and and, I don't know when when the when, when they, when the hordes came over the world Arbor, yeah. the empire, everything, everything. <laughs> in one, yeah. Well,
1: yep. with AI it, and facial recognition, they pr- probably could do all those hours within 30 minutes, but that they don't want to. I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, I, before I, don't, I, run I don't think out, there's an wanna, appetite. Go ahead. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, you just said a few days ago, quote, last year, I brought protected whistleblower disclosures about FBI weaponization to the house GOP. They used it to go on TV and get elected. I lost my career and I'm under FBI investigation. Today, the House GOP voted to give the FBI a $300 million headquarters, which I believe is bigger than the Pentagon. Soulless demons go to hell. Friend posted on X, formerly known as Twitter. There's a lot more tools at their disposal that I think they have that they're not used. He said they can defund particular individuals' salaries and positions and programs, and they just haven't done it. The FBI has put evil people in charge of the most administrative of tasks. The people came at the suspendables—that's you guys, the whistleblowers from the FBI—in unlawful ways, which we continue to reveal. Evil—that's a heck of a word. Are they recruiting for their evilness?
2: Yeah, I think they are. I think that you know, it's it, they are looking for people who are either compromised and willing to just go along, or people that are maybe true believers in what they're doing. Uh, but it doesn't really matter. It's a distinction without a difference as far as I'm concerned. You get, you take an oath to protect the Constitution, all of it, not just particular elements of it, and you are doing the job that you're hired to do if you see that the FBI is off the rails and you throw the flag. That's part of the training. That's part of the job description. And then people are just unwilling to do it because they say, look, I got bills to pay, I got family to feed, I got obligations. That's an insufficient response in my book. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I'm in the the small minority on that perspective. And as far as this new headquarters building goes, it's a betrayal, n- without a question. Uh, it looks like they're going to try to defeat that amendment uh, with uh, with the majority of, of the Republicans. And hopefully there's going to be some pushback on those 70 Republicans who did side with the Democrats on it. I don't care what your party designation is. You are complicit in the woke and weaponized FBI if you reward them. And, and this is a symbolic gesture, this new headquarters. It's not going to impact the day-to-day operations of people in the field for if, if anybody who's saying this is defund the police. Uh, but it's also not going to change the corrupted DNA of the FBI at whole, at large to not give it a new headquarters. There needs to be significant reforms to the way that the FBI does business, not just the place that they do business in.
1: They're certainly not rewarded or shouldn't be rewarded. I mean, ever since the Patriot Act, it became the, the Patriot Purge. And so, what are we rewarding? And, and I can't help but remember the images of them taking a knee for BLM. Uh, Kyle called them Kneel Team Six. Um, how did BLM and Tifa, now Hamas, become assets of the FBI? Uh, Jennifer Moore and Larissa Knapp, you probably know who those are, those ladies are, praised agents who kneeled. Hugs even occurred, he said. Uh, In the meeting, there was praise for all who knelt. I I guess they just filtered up to the top and they get to decide who gets hired and they're all like minded. And so they're really a rogue agency at this point. They're not uh, Elliot Ness or uh, uh, the dragnet guys who just want the facts and the truth.
2: Correct. Correct. It's very self-selecting to become a manager in the FBI. It starts really earlier in your career. Uh, And the sort of mindset you have to have to be successful as a climber, it tends to favor the left wing ideology or the person who will just go along and not say no to a bad idea. Mm. You don't you don't want to be the the guy that is in the room saying like, hey, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That's not a way to get promoted. It's not a way to get promoted to say I'm going to eliminate some waste fraud abuse that's going on. You have to invent a solution and then look for the problem to apply to. So essentially embrace the growing of the bureaucracy, the growing of the government. Again, a left-wing ideology. Yeah, that's, and not, also... that's not
1: the American way. That is certainly not truth, justice. Um, no, it's bad.
2: not. And, and the intelligence uh, aspect of it, the, the fact that now that the intelligence has been placed over law enforcement uh, and they're now recruiting these overeducated people that are coming out of the academia and bringing that sort of world that worldview, that ideology. And then that's how you get the radical traditional Catholic memo getting drafted because, yeah. you know, it's somebody who was, it's a, it's a spy and,
1: agency. It's not even a law enforcement agency at this point. Right. I mean, that's what the KGB was um, uh, probably going to get canceled for saying that question. I, I do want to also ask you um, on May 18th, you did testify, as you said, but you also had some, some compatriots there, Marcus Allen, not the running back, uh, was an FBI staff operation specialist, Garrett O'Boyle, FBI special agent. Um, are the three of you safe? I mean, we talked about your Facebook post getting getting censored, but are you guys all right out there?
2: That's a that's a question that we debate, and uh, I talk to Garrett uh, every day. Talk to Marcus fairly regularly as well, and uh, and Garrett and I are actually launching a podcast together soon, uh, and this is a topic that we bring up. And uh, you know, unironically, last week I I just I, I get up early every morning. Uh, I like to go for an early morning run. And uh at 606 06, I saw the clock and looked at my wife and I said, I guess they're not coming today. And I wasn't half kidding. I'm 6 a.m. is
1: their favorite time of day.
2: Six a.m. is the time that they would do it. Uh you saw that uh, there there's a uh, piece today and Mother Jones. It was about this other whistleblower who I think is sort of a, a plant by the FBI who's coming from the left side of the aisle and saying they did, didn't do enough. Uh, but they went after him with a search warrant apparently, and uh, I would contend that that's maybe, uh, putting out into the ether that look, the FBI goes after whistleblowers and and softening up. So, uh, we're, we're going to gird our loins and prepare for it, but look, doing the right thing isn't always easy, but it's simple. And then that's, uh, that's always what I'm going to do going forward. It's always what
1: I've done. That's what makes you a hero. Um, all right, we are out of time, but, um, and I have two pages left, so maybe we'll come back for a fourth time if I'm lucky. Um, I'll just end it on this. Uh, We heard a lot about General Michael Flynn when he was Trump's national security advisor for about five days uh, with all the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax stuff. We never hear about the new one, Avril Raines. She's way more powerful than Ray, probably Biden, probably the entire apparatus of intelligence, which I think is 18 agencies, something crazy like that, about to get a $300 million headquarters with a lot of servers. What is she up to at the top of the food chain? It has to be on her watch, right?
2: You know, a lot of these these appointees are sort of insulated from it. They're not really doing the day-to-day calling the shots. Uh, I always look to the dep- deputies. That's the the Lisa Monaco's over at the, the Justice Department. It's not Merrick Garland. It's that, that that deputy. It's the Paula Bate, who's the deputy director of the FBI. Uh, so people that are near the center of power, not necessarily the person who's perceived to be a center of power but i i share your concern especially with this intelligence obsession that we have in our government uh and and it creates a mindset the people that are in the intelligence community start to view anyone outside of that community as an opportunity and it's like the small town that starts writing the police department starts writing tickets they stop serving the community and they start looking at the people that they're supposed to serve as opportunities to write their tickets. And, and as a result of that, we're all going to be uh, all victimized. And especially if we renew section 702 FISA, which I know that you're going to be hardcore against, uh, and we're, we're brothers from another mother on that one.
1: All right, Steve. Well, thank you for your time. We are thankful for you. We really hope God blesses you and watches over you and your family and your, your Patriots, your suspendables. Uh, we are at the end. So tell everyone where they can go to find out more about you, follow your social media, maybe buy a book or two, and and maybe that hat.
2: Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, you can find me on X, at Real Steve Friend. The uh, the book True Blue is pinned to the top of that uh, that profile. It's an Amazon. You can get a copy. Like I said, get one for you. Get one for Christopher Ray. You can go to my buddy, Garrett O'Boyle's website, get a copy of the hat, lots of merch and T-shirts, The Suspendables. It's the-suspendables.com. Uh, lots of great and that supports garrett who's a whistleblower who's not been paid for over a year so i know he, that would go a long way to helping his family he's got four little dollars and uh, and garrett and i are launching the american radicals podcast on rumble this saturday episode one is dropping uh you can uh, hear from garrett and me as we give you our perspective on what's going on in the world and the specifically in the fbi
1: very cool we'll have to have you both on at some point so thanks again for coming on thank you steve good luck With Columbia, Tennessee-based Health.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally, without restrictive exercise or cardboard-dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof, look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know, I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com
0: I don't
1: Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show where we cover what we just heard and we didn't hear enough of what I wanted to hear, but we heard a lot. Producer Steve, what would you think of our repeat guest Steve Friend?
0: Wow, G2H, man. G2H (laughs) to all those Republicans and all those... There's a big place, G two H. That's all I can say. I love that that term and um Steve, what a not to be confused with G two G the your show. Thinking, but, yeah. I was thinking of that and I thought, okay, there's a place for both now. Um you No, know, what a wonderful guy, and uh he's he's branching out, he's launched his own uh podcast. And Steve, there's a whole litany, a whole long laundry list of all the things that are intelligence and I'm glad you bring up the Patriot Act. Um, that wouldn't have happened had it not been for that <clears throat> Pearl Harbor event. Um, yeah. and people don't realize that until you get your hand, head wrapped around that one, folks, you don't yeah. understand why we're, we're at today. Cause and
1: effect, but we got a rumble comment, uh, never as many as I'd like, I guess that's not a thing, but please, if you ever want to comment, go to rumble and leave this a, a comment. I read them worried man, 50, sorry to hear that worried man. Uh, don't worry, be happy. He said, I'm not mansplaining, he's a he, he says, man, one of the very few Tennessee legislatures that actually understand the duty to their oath. Episode 132, Tennessee Congressman Monty Fritz. That was nice. Cool. All right. Nine ways to scare off Californians looking to move into your neighborhood. Life Magazine number, oh, sorry, not Life, com. I wish <laughs> it was Life Magazine. November 2nd, 2023. Wait a minute. Is that young couple looking for a home in your neighborhood from California? You better get them out of here pronto before they turn your beautiful state into a socialist cesspool. If you don't, you'll both have to look for a new state to move to in about 10 years after they bring their California politics with them. These are the absolute best ways to scare off a Californicationer. I I said that, that's my word. Number one, smile and wave at them. Californians hate this. They might even be killed in the process Two, offer them sweet tea. They will instantly become diabetic just by looking at a full picture of Southern style, sweet tea as an added bonus. The polite gesture will also scare them. See above number three, show off a cool gun. You're packing. They'll, they will freak out. Even though this is only one of the guns you are packing, the others aren't as cool. Sadly, number four, ask them where they are going to church immediately after meeting them for the first time it's normal to do that when where you're from but this question is basically kryptonite to a californian (laughs) number five invite them to your church this sunday same as above number six show them your house and the several acres you live on their brains literally cannot comprehend the idea that a family of four isn't crammed into a tiny studio apartment it will seem icky and wrong to them for it to be any other way number seven point out how many houses in town have american flags once they notice this little detail they will react like vampires to the sun coming up at dawn (laughs) number eight Start talking about what they can expect when winter rolls around. They are only used to one season that lasts all year round, and you may need to explain the concept of winter several times before the horror for them really sets in. Number nine, show off your Trump 2020 and 2024 bumper stickers. This is sure to send them back to California in an absolute terror. Is that wrong?
0: I love it. What a great, what a, what a whimsical way of looking at how to uh steve it didn't work up here in washington we got far too many uh oh. californians which is i think why one of the reasons why we slipped from where we went we were close look like, 30 years ago in washington state was a different place altogether than it is today and yep. um they
1: maintain the lack of an income tax but That's little it. did they know it would cost them everything, including the Constitution. All right, next story. Inside the Plot to Kill the Censorship Industrial Complex, Grand Old Party of Losers, public.substack. Check that out. By Leighton Woodhouse, Alex Gutentag, and Michael Schellenberger. Stanford President Richard Saler told university faculty recently that the Stanford Internet Observatory, SIO, was simply doing research when it mass-flagged alleged misinformation to social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook. That's according to Stanford School of Medicine professor Jay Bhantacharya. Suller is wrong. The evidence is now overwhelming that SIO demanded mass censorship by social media platforms of often accurate COVID vaccine information and also interfered in the 2020 elections. I wonder if Steve Friend's wife was involved in that dragnet. SIO and its defenders argue that they were simply exercising their First Amendment rights by demanding censorship. But the newly released documents show that the Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity, and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, you've heard that on this show many times, Kim Wyman, former Secretary of State of Washington, basically invented it, asked SIO and three other, Washington State that is, asked SIO and three other censorship advocacy groups to create the Election Integrity Partnership, EIP, and Virality Project, VP, to engage in mass censorship. DHS, CS, CISA, the Department of Defense, the National Science Foundation, the FBI, and other government agencies, a.k.a. the CIA, secretly created and grew the censorship industrial complex, according to this article. Remember President Eisenhower warned against the military industrial complex? Well, now Lighten Woodhouse, Alex Gutentog, and Michael Schellenberger are warning against censorship industrial complex run out of the likes of Stanford University. The size and power of the censorship industrial complex is daunting. The latest batch of documents that public reported on this week shows that we still have gotten Not gotten to the bottom of what happened, the article says, and this from The New Yorker, of all places, not a right-week conspiracy publication, mind you. By 2009, when the FBI dedicated a new unit to economic espionage, concerns were focused on China. In 2014, the Department of Justice indicated five members of China's People's Liberation Army, hackers with aliases like Ugly Gorilla and Candy Goo, for industrial cyber attacks. The next year, Xi Jinping unveiled the Made in China 2025 plan, which identified a catalog of technologies that was broadly understood to represent an international shipping list, shopping list. The consequences for defense, economic competitiveness, and human rights were potentially grave, and the Obama administration's attitude hardened in response. To educate the public, the FBI produced a threat awareness film, The Company Man, which rendered the apparently true story of an engineer tempted by Chinese bribery in the style of after-school drama. One expects it to end with the Chinese criminals being forced to smoke the entire pack of cigarettes. When Trump came to power, he was quick to ring the alarm about China, which he said was raping our country. In November 2018, Sessions, Attorney General, held a press conference to announce the China initiative. Our a in- Innovations, he said, can be stolen by computer hackers or carried out the door by an employee in a matter of minutes. As a showpiece, Sessions, Sessions, who would be fired by Trump six days later, unveiled an indictment alleging that spies had targeted an Idaho-based maker of semiconductors. This was the first such program to be dedicated to the actions of a single country. Trump reportedly said at the time of people from China, almost every student that comes over to this country is a spy. Tao was the first Academic arrested under the initiative. That was March of two thousand nine. You think it's any better now? Wow, is it? It's better for spies. The New Yorker writes some dang long articles, but this one concludes. You should go read it. But this concludes. The DOJ has made it clear that it will continue its existing prosecutions. Either the government believes that its case against Tao is necessary and just, or it wishes to avoid the embarrassment of another drop case and is willing to gamble on a Kansas jury. Zeidenberg, Tao's lawyer, fears that this is the worst of all possible worlds for Tao. Quote, people have been patting themselves on the back for the rollback of the China initiative, and now they will move on, thinking the problem has been solved. The judge, perhaps sensing a broader shift, recently barred expert testimony about the general nefariousness of talent programs, but her rulings have largely favored the prosecution. Tao is unlike Lee to go to jail for decades, but whether he will... a scientific career is an open question prosecutors allege that tao concealed work with a company with a chinese university and an affiliation with a chinese government-run talent program in a scheme to defraud the university of kansas and the government a federal jury in kansas city has found chemistry professor fang franklin tao guilty on four counts of fraud and making false statements that was an npr april 2022 university of tennessee professor I Anning mean, Hu was acquitted by a federal judge. In January, the government dropped its case against Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT Professor Gang Chen, who was being prosecuted on charges similar to Tao's. The MIT Technology Review identified 77 China Initiative cases and over 150 defendants, the vast majority of which had Chinese heritage. The DOJ ended the China Initiative under pressure from critics who highlighted its high rate of failed prosecutions and argued that the program failed fueled racial bias and fear oh racism sure. fighting crime or ferreting out spies got it
2: this is Kyle Serafin former FBI special agent and you're listening to the Mill Creek View Tennessee podcast thanks for listening
1: Welcome to my quotes for the day, but before I share, I got this timing thing down. I want to remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View podcast. Just go to Rumble or Spotify or iTunes, search for Mill Creek View and hit the subscribe button and follow us and watch us live on TECN.TV at 5 p.m. Eastern time. I really hope you like it. It's the oldest question of all, George. Who can spy on the spies? Jean Le Carre, English author best known for his espionage novels, many of which were successfully adopted for film or television, Quote, a sophisticated, morally ambiguous writer, he is considered one of the greatest novelists of the post-war era. During the 1950s and 60s, he worked for both the security service and the secret intelligence service. The great advantage of being a writer is that you can spy on people. You're there listening to every word, but part of you is observing. Everything is useful to a writer. You see every scrap, even the longest and most boring of luncheon parties. Graham Greene, one of the leading novelists of the 20th century, a major writer, both of serious Catholic novels and of thrillers. It is 10,000 times cheaper to pay the best spies lavishly than even a tiny army poorly, Sun Tzu, the tyrant who was ordered to, I don't have time for that one. So that's it for this episode. Thank you, Steve Friend for reminding us if your truth and God is on your side, Nobody can be against you. Until next time, this is your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of mcview.us. Peace in our time and G2G Take Us Home, Steve, January 1970, Myrtle Haggard, The Fight Inside of Me. Listen to the lyrics. You might want to know why i hey.
2: I don't mind.